Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Um, I want to share with you a sermon. You know, being a pastor is a little weird because, like, um, you go to church on, on Sunday, but you don't get to really hear our preaching on Sunday. And so I get community on Sunday. I get to feel God's presence on Sunday. But I kind of go to church on Monday. Um, there are some speakers that I love to listen to and different pastors and preachers. And every Monday I'll listen to two or three different podcasts and, and, uh, and just get fed. And, and the other day I was at the podiatrist's office and... Um, I'm never there, and it was a long wait. Much, a lot of people need to get their feet checked, apparently. And, uh, and I was listening to a sermon. It was a Monday, and I was listening to a sermon. And, and uh, it was from a pastor named Robert Morris out in Gateway Church in uh, Texas. And um, while I was listening to this sermon, I, I, I started to cry in the, in the waiting room for, uh, to, get, to go get, to get checked. And I think the nurses were like, this guy really needs to see somebody. He's just... It's got that ingrown. He really needs some help right now, <laughs> you know, or that's not why I was there, but um, mind your business. Um, and so, so I, you know, I was, I was really feeling it, and I said, I said, man, and, uh, and it was actually that sermon that inspired this entire series, and it's actually that sermon that inspired today's message. I want to preach to you a message that I'm calling the principle of first, the principle of first, the principle of first. And uh, you're going to hear the word first a lot. In the, for the next four weeks, and there's a reason, and, I'll, and I'll, you're going to find out why pretty shortly. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen for you so you can read along with us. Jesus is talking, and he's talking um, uh, to, to, to people, <laughs> and this is what he says. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. I just need to pause. Say it again. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. I'm going to say it to the, to until, until you come to peace with whatever 2018 is going to bring you. Do not worry, God says. That's what his commandment is to you. Do not worry. Not you shouldn't worry. Don't. Don't worry. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat. Or drink. Look what he says. Don't worry about your body. So you don't, you don't even have to sign up for the gym. Jesus said, don't worry about your body. He said, don't worry about what you will wear. He said, don't worry. And we can add to that, don't worry about your kids. We can add to that, don't worry about your job. We can add to that, don't worry about your finances. We can add to that, don't worry about your mom. We can add to that, don't worry about your brother. Don't worry about being single. Don't worry about being married. Don't worry is what he says. And this is what he says. Why? This is what he says. He says, don't worry, uh, verses 32 through 33. So we're going to skip a little bit because he, he, he emphasizes that a couple of times. He starts giving examples of birds and flowers. And then finally he says, this is why I don't want you to worry. Don't worry for the pagans run after all these things. Now, what is a pagan? A pagan is simply a, a, a person who does not know God. And so what Jesus is saying, he says, hey, it makes sense for someone who doesn't know God to worry because they don't know where their supply comes from. It makes sense for someone who doesn't know God to worry because they don't know who their healer, where their healing comes from. It makes sense for someone to worry if they don't know God because that means that they don't know where the victory is coming from. But you serve Jehovah 
Jireh, I am your provider. You serve Jehovah Rapha, I am your healer. You serve Jehovah Nisi, I am your victory. You serve, you serve Jehovah Shalom, I am your peace. That's a wonderful thing about God. When he, when he gave the world his name, he gave it in half. He said, I am, and then he left the rest blank so that he could meet whatever need you would come across in your life. And so he's giving you a heads up. He's saying, listen, I don't know. I, you might not know all that 2018 is going to bring you, but whatever it brings you, I am. I am. So if you don't know that he is, well, then that makes sense. Because that means that you're depending on yourself, your strength, your ability, your knowledge, your wisdom. And how many people know that is a limited resource? But God, but God, right? Unlimited. So he says, so he says if, you, if you were a pagan, I'd get that. But you know God. And here's the next part. And God knows you. And God knows you. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Do you know that God knows what you need? I don't know that you know that. Because sometimes we pray like you don't know. We're like, God, I don't know if you noticed. But uh, these uh, bills is getting tight, God. And, uh, and I, can I just let you know, God is never in heaven like, oh, snap. I didn't. I didn't. I, you know, thanks for bringing that to my attention. I was kind of busy running the universe up here, and I didn't notice, you know, that you, were, that you were struggling. No. Here's what the Bible says about God. He knows the number of every hair on your head. The number. Pull on a hair. Pull on it. You don't have to do it hard. Just be obedient. Okay. What is that? Your hair? Nope. Not to God. That's hair follicle number 438. He's got everyone number. So if he knows how many numbers are in your head, he knows how many numbers are in your bank account. And he knows how many zeros are behind what side of what decimal. He knows. And he got you. And he got you. He's saying butts. You got to watch out for the butts. The butts of God. You got to watch out. A lot of time we'll celebrate the butts of God, you know. We'll be like, I was dead, but God, you know. And we like to celebrate. Those. But you know there's two sides to every butt? There's two sides. And get your mind out the gutter. There's two sides. There's two sides, y'all. And look what he says. This is a but only if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these things will be given to you as well. Did you know that God's promises in your life are directly connected to God's priority in your life? Did you know that? I will. Did you know that God's promises in your life, the things that you're holding on to in the Bible, are, are, are directly connected to God's priority in your life? That in order to unlock his promises, you have to make sure that he's in the right priority? They're connected? I'm not saying that if God is, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying if God is first in your life, everything else will come to order in your life. If God is in first place in your life, then, then everything is going to come into place in your life. But if God falls out of place in your life, nothing in your life will ever fall into place. He's the first. He's got to be put in the right place. I'm not saying that you won't face trial. I'm not saying that you won't face tragedy. I'm not saying that you won't face heartache. I'm saying would you rather face those things with everything out of order or would you rather face all those things with everything in order? 
Because there was a hurricane that hit my house a couple months ago. I don't know if it hit yours too. Uh, hurricane uh, Shmurma, Irma, whatever it was. It hit you and it, and, it hit, and it hit me. And listen, just because I was a Christian, I was not exempt from that hurricane. God didn't go, he loves me. <laughs> like he didn't know. I got hit with the hurricane just like you got hit. But you know why? I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't freaked out. I wasn't worried when it hit my house because my house was in order. I got the sandbags. I laid them out in front of the gaps in front of the door. I had a refrigerator full of food. I had candles. I had, I, did, I made some mistakes, sure. The, so did Liz. The, the week before the hurricane, she was on a shopping spree. Y'all, she bought three boxes of ice cream. I'm like, but babe, if the power goes out, Won't the ice cream melt? She's like, well, then we're having an ice cream party every night from now until Irma comes. I had everything in order almost. Home Depot ran out of generators, but that's okay. For the most part, I had everything in order, and that was good because she was you know, a little worried when the wind was blowing, but I told the babe, I said, we did everything that we could. With fridges full, we're in order because here, not only does priority play a role in God's promises, but priority also plays a role in God's peace. You're at peace when your life is in order, are you not? Because priorities are directly connected to peace. And some of you are freaking out over things in your life, and it's not because you're really scared. It's because you can feel like something's missing. Like I'm missing. Did I get that right? Did I miss that? Did I? Like when you leave your house, like, did I unlock all the doors? That's you, but instead of your doors, you're thinking about your life. Is my life in order right now? Because when your life is in order, your life is at peace. You know, I remember this very service. I remember this very service last year, this very same day. January, it wasn't January 7th, though, it was January 1st. January 1st, 2016, we had been in church for five months, five months. And they told me in, in church planning school, it's not a real thing, but they told me that, that January church was going to get packed. They said, everybody signs up for gyms and everybody comes to church. And I said, wow. So I told our staff, I said, guys, get ready. January 1st is going to be crazy. This place is going to be packed. We need to take down these. We need to make sure the balcony's clean because, you know, this is going to be, it's going to be crazy. January 1st, for whatever reason, we had up to here people show up to church on Sunday. To here. And I, I went home to Liz and I said, I said this, this is not good. This is not good. I said, we're, we're, we're uh, we need to, um, uh, applications uh, sent in. I had left my job. I had sold my house. I was listening. Isn't working. And and Liz, she's great. Her solution for every problem is we need to go to Disney. That's the solution for every problem. And so she said, just chill out. We need to go to Disney. So we went to Disney, and I went to Disney with my kid. I'm, I can barely enjoy Disney because I'm thinking nobody likes my preaching. Nobody likes our worship. Our church sucks. Nobody wants to come. January is supposed to happen. We had less people. We had less people on January 1st than we had all, all since the existence of our church. So this is not going to work, babe. And, 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 and so we're at Disney. And at Disney, at Disney, we, we're doing, uh, I don't know if it was the teacup ride or the, or the race car ride. But I look, I look, and I see Justice and Zane, and they're having the time of their lives. And I, and I look, and I go, you know what? And, and it was like the Holy Spirit ministered to me. He said, you know what? Right now, you might not know if you're ever going to be a great pastor. But look at Justice and look at Zane. Because you're doing a pretty good job at being a great dad. 
when the Holy Spirit used my children's smiles to put my priorities in order, I said, you know what? I'm going to work my butt off for the church. I'm going to love the church. I'm going to love everybody that comes to this church. But as long as my kids are smiling, as long as they end up in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm good. I'm at peace because my priorities are in the right position. My priorities are in the right position. And some of you guys are stressing out about things, not because they're not important, but if you could just find what's most important in your life, the things that you thought were important would fall down the scale of importance. You'd be able to enjoy all the things that you have. You'd be able to enjoy it. And so I want to talk to you today. So I'm, I'm, I want to talk to you about priority. I want to talk to you about God being first. And because, because at this time of the year, everybody's trying to get their life in order, right? And, and here's the good news. If you're here at church today, that means that God is on the list of things that you want to get in order. Well, congratulations. Give it up for you. All right. Here's the bad news. Okay? And I want to be nice, but I got to be real. It's not enough for God to be on the list of the things you want to get in order because where he is on that list matters. Where he is on that list of the things you want to get in order matters. It's cool if you have a list for 2018 that says, I want to get my house in order. I want to buy my first home. I want to get a car that doesn't make noises when it drives. I want to get married. I want to graduate college. It's cool if those things are on those lists. And the, but if number eight is, oh, and I want to get right with God, it's not going to work because he only works from the first position. And the good news is, though, when he gets into first place, all those things you've been asking for come into place. That's the good news. So I'm glad that God's on your list. Now let's answer the question, is he first on that list? Is he first on that list? Because, uh, you know, the Israelites, when they first got out of Egypt, and you might not know a ton about the stories, but you definitely have all heard of the, well, I won't take it for granted, but the, the, the 10 plagues. You know, you got these Israelites in Egypt, and God starts sending plague after plague after plague. Well, it, it took 10 plagues to free them from the bondage of slavery from the Egyptian, uh, from Pharaoh and the Egyptian people. After the 10th plague, it's Exodus chapter 12. It's Exodus chapter 12. The 10th plague hits. Um, Pharaoh's uh, kids, uh, firstborn, are, are gone and, and all this stuff. And, and, and he says, you know what? Go. After the plagues hit, look what chapter 13 says. Exodus chapter 13. So God just delivers his people. He saves them, okay? He saves them. I want you to catch, follow me. He saves them. And look what he says once he saves them. Exodus 13, 1 through 2. The Lord said to Moses, verse 1. Verse 1. In chapter 13, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the, someone say it, first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. We're going to go to verse 12. You're going to hear it again about the importance of first. You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. And this one's going to sound a little weird, but I'm going to preach this in a second. It's going to make a lot of sense. Verse 13. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a limb, and if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Sorry, you will redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. God has a thing for the first in our lives. And I need to say that because, full disclosure, I want to talk about finances a little bit today. And the reason why I want to talk about finances is because you're worried about them. People get a little weird when we talk about money in church. Like, would you rather me talk about, like, what the seventh trumpet means or, like, what, what, like the angel, what his face looked like? Here's my thing. I don't think you're wondering about those things. You know what I think you're wondering about? I think you're wondering about how you're going to pay your bills next month. 
I think you're wondering about how you're going to get your kids through college. I think you're doing the math in your mind about how many years you have left to retirement and how much is in your retirement. And you're like, mm, does not compute. And you're, you're thinking like, that's what I'm thinking you're worried about. And so I got to talk about the things that you're worried about, because I believe first and foremost, that unless God is first in your finances, he will never truly be first in your heart. And then secondly, I believe that one of the reasons why you could be struggling with finances so much is because he's not first in your finances. Because we serve a, a, a great God who has like backward rules. I don't know if you know this. Um, he's like sinners, you can get to heaven through the grace of God, right? He says the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He says the strong shall be. We're going to play the opposite game here, guys, all right? I'm going to say a word, and you're going to shout out the opposite, okay? He says, that the, he says that the weak shall be made. That's right. He says the poor shall be made. That's right. He says that the empty shall be. That's good. I almost got you with the empty one. You got it. He's a, he's a, his rules and his principles are backwards, but, but most of the time, they, they're in our favor, and so we love them. But then there's other times where they challenge us, but it still works, and we got to think about it. And it's like this. What you hold on to, you lose, and what you give grows. And it makes sense when you understand who God is and what God does. And that's what this verse is saying, by the way. You got a donkey and you got a lamb. And he says, all right, either sacrifice the lamb to save the donkey, okay, or you can keep the lamb, but you got to kill the donkey. Either way, I'm getting your donkey. <laughs> and when it comes to finances, when God is saying, hey, if you trust me with the little bit, I can bless the rest. But if you don't trust me with it, just know I'm coming for it. I'm coming for it. And I, and I, and I hate to be tough, and a bit, but like, this is not me. This is the Bible. You got a problem with me with some God. That's what the Bible says. You know, break his neck. That's what he said. Break his neck. Break his neck. That's what he said. And why is God being so strict about this? Why is God emphasizing this? Well, first off, because the donkey and the lamb is actually uh, God's illustrated sermon, and these animals are his illustration. He's trying to preach. Did you catch it? See, a donkey is technically, according to, you know, the Old Testament, a spiritually unclean animal. It's like an unclean, not spiritual, but it's unclean. Like, it's dirty. It's a dirty animal. Lambs, white, you know, white as snow, fleas, they're, they're, they're a clean animal. And here's what God is telling them. He's saying, if you want to save the life of the unclean animal, you need to sacrifice the life of the clean animal. I'm hoping you get ahead of me on this. Because when we were born... Were we born spiritually clean or spiritually unclean? Unclean. If you don't believe that, just meet a two-year-old. Do you got to teach kids to be good or do you got to teach kids to be bad? To be good. The bad comes natural. <laughs> bad comes naturally. Stealing comes naturally. Lying comes naturally. Hitting your brother comes naturally. <laughs> we don't teach them that. It's not. We were born spiritually unclean. And so God, in his awesome grace said, I want to save the spiritually unclean, but in order to do that, I got to send somebody who can be born spiritually clean. Was Jesus born spiritually clean or unclean? Clean. Jesus was the lamb that saved the donkey. Jesus was the sacrifice that redeemed our lives. And when you know that, you'll never hear the word lamb in the, in the Bible the same way again. Every time you see it, you're going to think of that illustration I was getting emotional as I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, you gave up your life. I put on that old Kirk Franklin song. Now behold the lamb. I'm like, yes, Jesus. The precious lamb of God. Born, that's the part right there. Born into sin that I may live again. The precious lamb of God. Right? When you hear it, 
when you, when you, when you, when you, when you understand that you were born into sin, that there was no way to rescue you lest the lamb perish, you understand why God is so passionate about tithing because God is a tither himself. Jesus was God's tithe. He wanted to save you. And so to save you, he gave up his first. He gave up his first for you and for me. Not only is it a matter of, 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 of salvation, which is why it's so powerful to God, but the reason why tithing is, and I guess I should mention this if you have no idea what tithing is, is when we give God the first 10% of our income, we give it to him. The reason why it's also important is because it's not even about finances. We would think, well, God, what does God need my money for? He doesn't need your money. It's not about finances. If it was about finances, he'd ask for the last 10% of your income, but he doesn't. He says the first. Do you know why? Bring it back to the animal context. Imagine that you're a rancher, you're a farmer, and you got a, a, a goat that, um, that gives birth to a kid. That's what you call baby goats. Well studied here. <laughs> and, or, or a lamb. You got a sheep that's giving birth to a lamb. And what, what takes more faith? Let me ask you. If I have 10 sheep, 10 baby lambs, and I give God one lamb, or if when the first lamb comes out, I give him that one, which one takes more faith? None of the second one. Giving him the first. Why? Because if I give him one out of my 10, I already know what I have, nine. But if I give him the first, I'm not sure what's coming after that. Giving him the first is actually you telling God, God, I have faith in you and I'm going to trust you that this is not going to be the last lamb that makes its way into my bank account. This is going to be more bad in my bank account. I'm believing that. That's why you got to understand, tithing is not making deposits into God's bank account. There is a bank account in heaven, but you, you are it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a treasure. You are God's treasure, and when you give, you're actually making a deposit into your own faith. When you give, you're telling God, I believe that you're going to, I believe, and you better start making some deposits into your faith, because without being negative, you're going to face things in 2018 that are going to make withdrawals on your faith. And you're going to be facing problems, you're going to be facing trials, and you're going to be facing situations. And if you don't have the faith, and if you feel like I might not have the faith, you need to make those deposits now. That's what God wants us to learn to be generous, and he wants us to learn to, 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 to give because he knows what we're doing. We're not building a kingdom up in heaven. We're building the kingdom right here inside of us. Our faith, he wants us to build our faith. You know, once the Israelites left Jericho, I'm sorry, once the Israelites left Egypt, they spent 40 years in the desert, and then they, they, they conquered 30, over 30 kings, they conquered 30 cities, and God never asked for a tithe from any of their income. You know what he did ask, though? He said, here's what I want. I want everything that you get from Jericho, I want it. Give it to me. It's mine. You know why? Because Jericho was the first city. God tells the people of the Israelites, hey, you can keep the rest, but everything from the first city Give it to me. God told me to tell somebody here today that there are some walls that you've been walking around year after year after year, that you are facing some opposition, and God just says, if you would just trust in me, you're not going to win that battle with your strength. You're not going to win that battle by your power. You're not going to win that battle by your intellect. You're not going to win that battle by your friends. You're going to win that battle by the power of the Holy Spirit, my power in you, but I can't unleash my power in you if you don't trust me with your problem. If you don't first trust me with your problem, I can't unleash the power to, to solve that problem. That's what generosity is to God. It's saying, I believe there are things in my life I can't overcome without you. So I'm going to give you this to invite you into the rest. I'm going to give you this to invite you into the rest. God wants to deliver you. God wants to free you. God wants to see all those walls come down in your life. But you're going to need faith to make it happen. In order to build faith, you've got to trust him. 
You are making a deposit into yourself, into your own life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. I'm just kind of going all over scripture, so I want you to see this principle of first is all throughout. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. With your first fruits, with your first fruits of all your produce. Okay, so that's that's bonuses, tax returns, 10% of anything that comes into you, you're giving back to God to trust Him with the rest. Look at Exodus 23:19. The first of the first fruits. I love that. God's like, just in case you don't know what first means, I'm gonna say the word twice. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You know why he says bring and not give? You know why he says bring and not give? My wife and I have a battle that takes place in our house every evening. And it is for the iPhone charger. You guys know if you live with someone, it doesn't matter how many iPhone chargers you get from Apple, there seems to only be one. There seems to only be one in the house. The reality is, though, that there's two in our house. And we would always fight because we'd be like, is that your charger? Is that my charger? Is that your charger? Is that my charger? Is that your charger? Is that my charger? I think it's my charger. Give me my charge. My charger gives you her charger. So what she did now, she takes a little butterfly sticker and she puts it on her charger. So now we know whose charger is who, but we still can't find the other charger. <laughs> and so, and so, and so our, our arguments are not really arguments because we can tell when they're evolving. You know, we've learned now in marriage. And so here's the first thing. She'll be like, she'll be like if I have her charger or if, or if she has mine, I'll be like, hey, um, do you think you can give me, give me, give me, give me, that, give me that charger? And she's like, oh, I need it right now. But, like, I really need it right now. And so, so I'll be like, okay, wait another minute. Can, do you think you can give me the charge right now? Uh, well, I'm kind of using it right now. And then, and then finally, this is the evolution. Can you please bring me my charger? <laughs> you better bring me my charger, right? Why? Because you can't give what's not yours. And you can bring what belongs to someone else. God is saying, bring me it because the reality is it belongs to me. And not just the first 10, but actually all of it. I'm only asking for the first 10 so you can keep and bless the rest. But bring it to me is your way of letting me know you know where it comes from. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. And if you bring it, you'll be blessed. If you don't, the Bible says you'll be cursed. That, that story of Jericho, there was one man who decided not to give what he took. He held on to it. The Bible says he was cursed because he stole it from him. You know the story of Cain and Abel? In the story of Cain and Abel, there's two brothers, and they each make an offering to God. One, one, one brother's offering is accepted. The other brother's offering is not accepted. And this is what happens. I want you to read. I was, theologians cracked their minds over it. Why was Cain's offering not accepted? Why was Abel's offering accepted? I want you to show you, and then we'll, we'll end on this. Listen, in the course of time, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering, the fat portions from some of the what? The first. Did you catch it? Cain's offering was brought, how? Over time. I'm going to give it to him when I get to it. I'm going to give it to him when I have it. I'm going to give it to him when I'm doing better. I'm going to give it to him when I can afford it. Abel said, I don't know what's going to happen, but with the very first one that comes out, I want you to know, Jesus, he belongs to you. And God said, great, I'll accept your offering, but I can't accept your offering. And then Cain gets mad at God because the promises are not being unleashed in his life. And then God looks at Cain and he goes, but why are you mad? If you would only do what is right, don't you know I will bless you? God is over this church tonight saying, hey, I want to bless you in your 2018. I do, but I got to be in the right position. Listen to me. It didn't say that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering. It said God couldn't accept Cain's offering. Couldn't. Did you know there are some things God can't do? Did you know that? For example, God can't lie. It would be a violation of his faithfulness. God can't tempt. It'd be a violation of his righteousness. Um, God 
can't uh, change. Theologians call it the immutability of God. You know why God can't change? Because if God could change, that would mean that God could get better, and he can't because he's perfect. God can't change. You know what else? God can't think the way you and I think. But what do you mean by that? Well, we think to figure things out. We're like two plus two, carry the one. God doesn't have to think because the Bible says he's omniscient. He knows all things. And here's the last thing God can't do. Hear me out. God can't be second. It's called the preeminence of God. He can't be second because he was here before everything else was here. He's first. And so when we try to put God in a position that he doesn't belong in, he cannot operate the way that he wants to operate. So I can't be that position. I love football. And the best thing about football is the appreciation for everybody's position. You got really fat, big dudes. They're called linemen. They're 400 pounds. And you know why they're big? Because they just don't, they can't be moved. That's their job. Do not be moved. Then you got, you got a tall, lanky, six foot three, you know, 200 pound, lanky. Who are they? The wide receivers. They got to be tall so they can snatch the ball out of the air. You got five foot two, bulky. What are they? The running backs. Short because you need to have a low center of gravity so people can't tackle you. What happens if you put a running back in the quarterback position? Or you tell a lineman to go out wide. 400 pounds, go deep. He's like, nope. Screen pass right here. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He's going to say, you're trying to put me in a position I was not created to play. And you think that I suck at football, but I don't. I'm actually really good. I'm just in the wrong position. Some of you think God's broken. Some people think that God don't work. Some people have tried your Bible, page to page, and you look at it. God, where you at? Why you left me? Why you not doing what you're telling me to do? And God said, oh, no, I work. You just got me in the wrong position. Put me where I'm supposed to be. Give me the ball. Put it in my hands. Because when I'm in first place, when I'm in first place, I'll make it work. We score touchdowns all day. Put me in first place, though. I don't play the bench. I don't play the bench. Put me in first position and watch how we win this game. Watch how we turn it around. Watch how we get the W. Watch how we bring the championship. Give me my position in your life. Last, 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 last. Exodus 13, 14 through 15. This is what God is telling. He's saying one day your son's going to have a conversation with you. Look, Exodus chapter 13, verse 14 through 15. We're still in 13, right after the Exodus. It says, in days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And out of the land of slavery, when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeemed each of my firstborn sons. Let's bring it into modern day. I want you to imagine a family of farmers, okay? The son is off to college and he finally comes back from college and his dad says, hey son, you got your accounting degree, I want you to run the books. Run the books for the business, make sure everything's going fine. After a couple weeks of running books for the business, the son calls in the dad and says, hey dad, um, you mind if I get just five minutes, five minutes of time? He's like, yeah, sure, what's going on? He goes, well, I was just going through the books here. And um, man, I saw something really funny uh, in the books. And I know you're getting old, dad, so maybe you don't even, maybe you don't even know that you're doing it. Um, but it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy things. Every time one of our animals gives birth, like for the first time, like you kill it. <laughs> and uh, 
I don't know if you know this, Dad, but uh, we're in the ranching business, and uh, we kind of need those animals to make money. And so, um, I mean, this month alone, you've killed uh, 203 animals. That's a problem, Dad. That's a problem. And uh, I want to run these books, but we got some holes in the system here. <laughs> Is it a sickness? What's happening? What's going on? And he says, when that day comes, tell your son. Son, I got to tell you something about our family that you don't know. We weren't always ranchers. In fact, we used to be slaves. But God, with his mighty hand, rescued us and gave us everything you see here today. And son, that's why we give him our first. This was written thousands of years ago. This happened to me yesterday. Yesterday. We just started teaching justice the power of giving and generosity. And we're sitting down, and, and uh, his tooth came out. And so, you know, we don't do the tooth fairy in our house. Um, well, actually, we do, but Liz tells him that she's the tooth fairy. So she says, I'm the tooth fairy, and I pay for your teeth, is what she said. And so his first tooth came out uh, a couple days ago, and Liz gave him $5 for his tooth, which I'm like, girl. What kind of a business do you think we are in? We can't be affording $5 per Tim doing the math in my head. I was like, uh-uh. He better not lose a tooth until he's 15. We can't afford any more teeth. So he has this $5, and I, and I, and I said, and he, he was so blown away. He's like, $5, that's a lot of money. I said, it is, isn't it? I go, so I grabbed a notepad, and I said, Papi, I want to show you how much mommy and daddy give to the church every month. And I wrote down our tithe. I wrote down numbers. He said, Zane, Zane was there. He said, that's a million dollars. said, that's a million dollars, Dad. Trust me, it is not a million dollars. But to a three-year-old, it's a million dollars. He said, that's a million dollars, Dad. I said, well, yeah, it is a lot of money, isn't it? He goes, yeah. I go, do you know why I give that money? I'm, you know, I'm thinking of the sermon. I'm thinking, this is my chance. Do you know why I give that money? And he, Zane is so funny. He's like, he said, uh, because when you give God money, he gives you more money, is what he said. I'm like, what are they teaching you in children's church? I mean, it's true, but that's not why. Bible says, you, uh, press down, shaking together, running over, but that's not why we do it. Justice got a little closer, but then I said, I said, this is why. I had to use their language. I said, I got to tell you something about mommy and daddy that you guys don't know. It's a story. And uh, it's a real story. I said, yeah. I said, mommy and daddy. I had to use language that they know. So I said, mommy and daddy, we used to be bad guys. They know bad guys. They know, you know, Venom, and they know Green Goblin, and they know Dr. Doom. And they, so they look at us like. <laughs> I, said, I said, papi, I said, mommy and daddy used to be bad guys. Eyes got real big. No, Justin said, is this a real story? So he said. It's a real story. I said, Daddy used to lie. Mama used to hurt people. Daddy used to hurt people. Daddy even used to hurt himself. We were bad guys. But God found us where we were. And he saved mommy and daddy. 
something now. We're not who we were anymore. Look at everything we have. God gave it all to us. Every pillow, every blanket. He saved us. We weren't always Christian. But he saved us. And that's why we give. You know what he told me? I swear to you, this was there. He said, Dad, I want to give to God. I said, how much do you want to give? I looked at his five dollars. He said, I want to give God five dollars. I said, you don't have to do that. I said, it's a tithe. He said, you know, 50 cents or whatever it is, the math. Give him whatever. Well, that's not 50 cents, but whatever. Give him to him. I'm a preacher, not a mathematician. He said, you don't have to give it to him. He said, no. What he said? He said, he said, he said, I want to give because I want to be like you. And then it hit me after I prayed for him and we left. I said, babe, he just gave God his first tooth. First. You know what he told me after he gave it? He said, it's okay. I know that there's more where that came from. you know there was more where that came from it's a love story not a not a greed story not a money story not a bank story it's a love story all that you did for me here is my first here is my first so here's what I want to do I know there are a lot of people at church who are already living this life and I thank you for it but I want to read you one last Bible verse we'll close out I'm sorry I'm extending Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is, this is something that God put in my heart. You can judge me if you want to judge me. I've got to be obedient to what the Lord put in my heart. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Look what he said. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So much. So here's what I want to extend to you today and every Sunday going forward. But starting today, I said that in order to live out your new year and get a new you, you got to do things in a new way. If you've never tithed before, I'm going to make it easy for you, real easy. I want to do something called the three-month challenge. Here is my promise to you. Go to our website, journeyorlo.com, give. You can see it. You can sign up there. If you've never tithed before or if you've, it's been at least six months that you've never tithed before, and you start today or this month in 90 days, if at the end of 90 days, this verse, go back to Malachi 3, this verse is not true in your life, we will give you every single dollar that you get. We'll give it right back to you. I'm not even playing. That's why we need you to sign up. Everybody don't sign up and then come up and you don't get bills to pay and be like, well, actually, uh, sign up today. You sign up online today three-month challenge, and in three months, that's the end of March, you look back and you say, you know what? These three months, God wasn't faithful. These three months, God didn't, I didn't see his blessings. These three months, I didn't see his provision, his protection. I'm going to give you back every single dime that you gave to the Lord. I dare you. Well, you shouldn't test God. Mostly you're right, but right there it says, in the Bible, 
in yellow. Oh, it's not yellow in your Bible. It's yellow in mine. Test me and see if I don't bless you. So I want to invite you to join us on that journey of tithing today if you haven't already. Hey, if you came to church for the first time today, or it's been a while since you've come to church, and maybe as I'm sharing the story about my son or the story of God's love for you, how he rescued me, something inside of you is welling up. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. I believe there are people here who are saying, God should be first in my finances, but honestly, he's not even first in my life right now. And I need to make that decision. Jesus, be first in my heart. That's you. Would you give, would you give a little privacy to our friends and family who came to church today? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If that's you, you're at church today and you say, yeah, I, 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 I need Jesus in my life. I need him first in my heart. I need, I need his blessing. I need his protection. I need his forgiveness. But most importantly, I need his love. I need his love. I need his love and I need to feel it. I need to, something's been missing. I've, it's been out of order this whole time and I need to shift and adjust. If that's you and the spirit of God is ministering to your heart right now, I want to count to three. And when I say three, if that's you, I want you to lift your right hand to the sky as a signal. Yes, Jesus, take your rightful position in my life. Are you ready? Nobody peeking. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's your moment. Here's your chance. You want Jesus in your heart. It's time to get right and start this year off the way God's been whispering into your heart to do it. One, put your right hand up if you need Jesus. Two, three, right now, all over this place, you need Jesus. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, people, fourteen, fifteen in the back. Amen. Put your hand down. Church, let's pray this together with those fifteen people. Father God. I hear you. I feel you. You are in this place. And for the first time in a long time, you are in my heart. Live in my heart. I want 2018 to be the new year with the new me as I do things a new way. Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my life in you. I put my faith in you. Save me. Rescue me. Help me to live the life that you've always wanted me to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus Christ. Amen. And you can stand to your feet. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.